0: Tonight is study number two of Genesis chapter three. And we're going to be reading the first five verses. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which Jehovah God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And I'll stop reading there. Now, in our last study, we were looking at the serpent, and we saw that this was Satan, we know from the rest of the Bible, the devil, a fallen angel, who was indwelling this creature called a serpent. It was named a serpent. And this serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now at this point, there has been no sin in the world and the word serpent, when we look it up in Strong's Concordance, and and we see it used in the rest of the Bible, well, that's after the fall of sin. So we can go to Revelation 20. We can go to several verses, and we're going to read how the serpent identify, or we would read how the serpent identifies with Satan. But here, at this point. It's only a creature amongst the other creatures God has created, yet it already has a reputation for being more subtle than any other beast of the field. And so that's um, the direction we're going to go. We're going to look up the word subtle in order to understand the serpent, the devil, chose... ...to indwell that creature. He didn't choose a lion. He didn't choose a lamb. Uh, he, he chose the serpent. Why the, why the serpent? Well, because the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And the Hebrew word translated as subtle is 6175. And it's used a few times in the book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 16 it's translated as prudent and, and actually it's translated as prudent many times in Proverbs 12:16 a fool's wrath is presently known but a prudent man covereth shame also in the same chapter in verse 23 a prudent man concealeth knowledge but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness a subtle man concealeth knowledge now that's something we're going to find is involved with this word prudent or subtle it's connected to knowledge in proverbs 14 it says in verse 8 the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way but the folly of fools is deceit again prudent and understanding and understanding and knowledge are related in verse 15 of proverbs 14 the simple believeth every word but the prudent man looketh well to his going and verse 18 the simple inherit folly but the prudent are crowned with knowledge again prudent man and knowledge and in Proverbs chapter 22 it says in verse 3 a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself but the simple pass on and are punished Satan came in the form of the serpent who was of all the beasts of the field the most prudent And to be prudent is to be wise. Uh, He came in the form of a creature who had a reputation for wisdom, for knowledge. Because to be prudent, to be wise, means you have understanding. You possess knowledge. The serpent was wiser than all the other beasts of the field. That is, in the way that he presented himself to Eve in the Garden of Eden, Eve was curious about that tree. She And why was she curious about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because she uh, she didn't understand it, or, or she felt that she lacked knowledge concerning it actually it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil she knew good adam knew good because god had pronounced everything good they were fully aware of what good was god was good but evil was the 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 part that uh, that uh, they didn't understand evil uh, had all the mystery surrounding it what was evil what could it be what lay behind the tree what if if you touch the tree or if you eat of the tree she said touch god said thou shall not eat of it if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that is you are you're going to experience knowledge of good and evil you'll come to learn you'll come to know evil and this is the point that satan operated on notice when satan says um, hath god said he shall not eat of every tree of the garden he formed the question in a certain way so that she herself would direct the conversation back to the one particular tree of interest, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan, or the serpent, speaks of every tree. And and he asked the question, hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, no, God didn't say they are not to eat of every tree. God said they may eat of every other tree. And so the way he... Formed the question it showed his deceptive nature. He had her be the one who brought up the subject of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God has said ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. Now she brought it up and and Satan could address specifically that whole subject of eating of the tree and dying. And, and he just outright lies and says, you will not surely die, but God does know in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open and ye shall be as God's knowing, knowing a key word, good and evil. You will know, you will gain knowledge of evil, and you will be as God. The, the word "Gods" is Elohim. The same word throughout chapter 1 that was translated God singular when referring to God himself, which is correct. And here, it, since it's referring to Adam and Eve, it, it's, it is a plural word. And, uh, I think it's correctly translated in the plural as gods. Ye shall be as Elohim, as gods, knowing good and evil. And here it's coming, this supposed knowledge, this revelation concerning that tree, that there's more to it than God has said, that, that it's actually a tree Uh, That, As it says in verse 6, that's good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, to possess wisdom, to gain knowledge, to be like God. And, And it's coming from the serpent who is more subtle, more prudent than any other beast of the field. And that's how Satan came as a wise one, as someone knowledgeable of the things of God. God's the one who spoke about that tree. It was the word of God concerning that tree. And Satan comes with a fuller explanation, with a more complete understanding of what God actually said. He knows uh better than God is the way he presents himself. He knows uh, more details, more information he possesses wisdom and knowledge that man lacks that Adam and Eve lacked you You don't understand exactly what God intended or meant when he said the things he said about that tree, and this is how he came initially, originally, in the beginning. And and in a way, this is what it means that Satan comes as an angel of light. What is light shows forth. Light makes manifest. It reveals things. And, and Satan comes saying, your eyes will be open. You will gain knowledge. It, it's a tree desired to make one wise. And this is the form of attack that the serpent took as Satan, the fallen angel, entered into that serpent, indwelling the serpent, to approach Eve as a wise one. And Eve took the bait. And, and Eve was deceived. We read, In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 2 Corinthians 11 is where God gives us good insight into the workings of Satan, into his deceitful nature and the manner that he has come against the churches and against the congregations and against the people of God. Really, all through history, and in second Corinthians eleven, this is the chapter where God says in uh, verse thirteen second Corinthians eleven: thirteen, "For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, just as Satan, as it were, transformed himself into a serpent into at that time. A wise creature, more subtle than any beast of the field. The type of creature you might expect to possess knowledge of things unknown. And well, the people of Satan, the unsaved emissaries of Satan, likewise transform themselves, not into serpents anymore, but into the appearance of something else. Into the apostles of Christ. And in verse 14. And no marvel. For Satan himself. Is transformed. Into an angel of light. Into a creature or a being. Who possesses wisdom and knowledge. And understanding. And he is a good theologian. He knows the Bible, he can help you to know that speaking in tongues is a sign of the Holy Spirit or he can assist you to understand that falling over backwards indicates that you have been slain in the Spirit and he he would say that's a good thing. Satan, uh, if you're a woman, can find scriptures for you so that you can justify teaching and preaching men, despite what the Bible says that a woman should not usurp authority nor, nor teach men. Yet Satan is able to come with knowledge to allow a woman to do that. Or Satan can help those in the churches and the congregations to find scriptural support for Divorce and remarriage after divorce. After all, it says except here in Matthew 19, except for fornication. And so Satan comes where, oh, this is an area we have to investigate further and we can't keep people shackled in relationships and marriages any longer. Oh no, we, we have to free them. And, and Satan comes Again and again and again with additional understanding, additional knowledge, adding to the word of God here, subtracting from the word of God there, and and always making reference to the scripture. When someone is standing upon the, the word of the Bible and, and they are insisting, well, God has said, Satan is always at the ready to come and say, Hath God said it quite the way that you're understanding it? And and a little twisting here, and a little changing there, and a little perverting, actually perverting means changing, over here, and suddenly grace is no more grace. Just a little works to the mix, and we have the dead fly in the ointment of the apothecary, which sends forth a stinking savor and And look the Bible says it plain as day: believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and Well, we won't get it into confusing matters about being dead in sins and and all these other things God says about predestination and election. Come on, it says it right here in Acts chapter 10. Believe and you will be saved. It's, it's the simplicity of the gospel. It's a simple salvation plan. No sense making it more complex than it needs to be. And yet it, it, it's Satan, Satan, Satan that, that has been behind the attacks on every word of doctrine. On every point of scripture, he's been there battling down through the ages, across the centuries, always trying to deceive. He was successful deceiving the woman, Eve. Well, down through the ages, he has continued to attempt to deceive the spiritual bride of Christ, and he's been successful In succeeding the corporate bride or, or I don't know if we can say or identify the corporate church in that way, but certainly the corporate church is associated with the bride. The true eternal bride of Christ was a part of the church and Satan would come to deceive the woman, the bride of Christ and would successfully deceive uh, this denomination, just think of the Catholic Church that thought a Pope was infallible and, and has for hundreds of years or, uh, he would successfully deceive this, uh, individual church or that one and, and the candlestick would be removed again and again. He, uh, sowed tares amongst the wheat. He infiltrated the churches and congregations with false doctrine and always he was after the woman, the true bride of Christ, but God kept her and protected her so that Satan failed to accomplish his purpose of destroying the woman through his deception, as it says in Matthew 24, concerning the last and greatest assault of Satan against the corporate body of Christ and and against the elect within. In Matthew 24, it says in verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time no, nor ever shall be, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets. And who are they? According to 2 Corinthians 11, in verse 13, there are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing, if his ministers also be transformed, as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. They are ministers, not of Christ, but ministers of his, ministers of Satan, of the devil, of the serpent. And, they follow the dictates of their father, the devil, who is a liar at the very beginning and the father of it. And they come in the same manner. They have the same spirit. And they also love the lie and hate the truth because that is their nature. They are deceiving and themselves deceived These are the ones Matthew 24 is speaking of in verse 24. For there shall arise false Christ. And a false Christ is a false gospel. Because uh, Christ and the gospel are synonymous. And false prophets to prophesy is to declare, to speak forth the word of God. And when people say, well... Um, walk down the aisle. Walk down the aisle, or when they have a crusade and there's 50,000 people in a stadium, and the preacher is preaching. Oh, he he's stirring up everyone. And haven't you had enough of serving your sins and Satan? And don't you want to live forever? And 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 he just gets everyone all emotional and. And he convinces some, the whole display is, is very touching and, and it, it, it just hits him in his heart, in his emotions. And he comes down the aisle and maybe 5,000 people come down the aisle and, and they accept Christ. And yet it's been false prophecy from false prophet or false Christ because it's a false gospel that's not the way of salvation, according to the Bible, and that's just the tip of the iceberg today concerning false Christs and false gospels and false prophets they're everywhere present, and it goes on to say she'll show great signs and wonders there'll be speaking in tongues and falling over backwards and and whatever. They can grab a hold of today. There'll be healings and and naming and claiming gospels and and so forth. Great signs and wonders, in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And if it were possible, but the implication is. It is not possible. It is no longer possible for Satan, the great master deceiver, for the one who began the lie. The lie starts with him. He's the father of it. He begat it. He brought it forth like a child, and he has nourished it down through the centuries and has certainly become more and more skillful in delivering the lie, in packaging the lie, in presenting the lie to mankind. Just think, he was good at it at the very beginning when he spoke to Eve. And as far as we know, these are the first recorded sins, the first sins that took place and already Satan shows that he is adept. Uh, he has a talent in this area of lying and uh, we know that when you practice something when you repeat something you get better at it you get you you get more skilled in performing it and certainly over 13,000 years have passed and Satan hasn't changed course. He hasn't altered his game plan. It's always the lie. He may decide to have a good deal of truth and, and to refer to the Bible as he builds his lie. He can refer to one, two, three, four verses and and try to present it as a really good theological study, and yet it's still a lie because he also includes the error. He includes slight alteration at some point that takes the the hearer off the narrow way and onto the broad way that leads to destruction. It is his particular talent that he has specialized in and he's able uh, quite able to deceive mankind because what does god say about mankind and and about mankind's heart well the the bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17 and in verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. This is the heart of man since the fall, after the fall into sin. And, and Eve, at the time that the serpent comes to her, does not have that kind of heart. She has a good heart. She, she has a heart that has not sinned, that is not self-deceived, that, that is not believing a lie. And Adam also. And and yet the serpent deceived her and slew her through his deception. Adam uh, took of the fruit from Eve and he also was slain in this overall deception. But, but that's when man was much more prepared and ready and able to be able to resist the allurements and 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 the uh the words of the master deceiver now mankind has a heart deceitful above all things and how can he withstand how can he resist in any way this uh chief liar this father of lies this ancient storyteller that is able to unfold a tale that even the elect might believe if it were possible, which it is not. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, E-Bible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone.